Hey, did you want me to let you in on a little secret? It's never too late to start all over again. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day and a wonderful start to your new year. So when this will be launching, this is episode number, if I check the old spreadsheet, episode number 185 and coming out Tuesday, January 9th. This is kind of the official, for some people, this is the kind of the official first start to the, you know, quote unquote, kicking the new year into gear and stuff like that. Some people took the extra week after the new year off and spent a lot of time with family and friends and all that wonderful stuff. And that's fantastic. You should. You should take the time to recharge. Um, before we do get into it, <laughs> a couple things here. Um, number one is I wanted to thank all the positive emails and Happy New Year's and feedback from the first episode that launched last week on goal setting. So it was a it was a fresh take on goal setting. If you hadn't had a chance to dive into it, please dive into it. And then while you're at it, check out the previous four Christmas presents I left for you before that as well. So by all means, lots of binge worthy content on the old podcast here. Um, the second thing is, have you ever had one of those days when just kind of you know, it just, it's a constant pivot. Like I had this morning, I had just kind of the, the, the day planned out, started off with the, on the right foot and had my, my day planned and started off at the right time of day and just had the morning routine, just cranking it into gear. And I had intentions of uh, delivering my, you know, my yearly review, the good, the bad and the ugly podcast. And I set aside a, a, a big block of time to kind of create it and just really get intentional around it. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I put a lot of time and effort into putting together the podcast and I don't want to just ramble on and just, you know, just do a, Oh, here's what happened and all that kind of stuff. I want to give it some, with some, some good content, some good intention with some learning and some lessons. So I, I had this block of time already planned to go and then I said, okay, well, first, before we do it, I'm just going to go for my morning walk. I got to get my couple exercises in for the day. And lo and behold, went out and, you know, it's cold out here. It's, you know, we had a little skiff of snow out here in the West Coast. And, you know, things don't go well when you have snow out here in uh, Vancouver land. But, uh, you know, things went well, came back and, you know, and it's funny, as I was walking, I'm sitting there going, I should have, you know, I should have, I should have brought my key with me, uh, key for the house. And, and, and you can already tell foreshadowing probably what happened. So get back to the house and I'm sitting there and I'm going to go to the door and I was going, Oh crap, it's locked. So I was locked out of the house. So instantly, and good thing I had my phone with me and had to call around and talk to Kareen was at work and Avery was, had to go, our, our youngest daughter who's still at home was on her way to a friend's place to drop something off to eventually go to work. So, but she was able to pivot, come back home and, you know, let the old man in. <laughs> uh, but while I was outside, I'm okay. Okay. You know, pivot, pivot again. And I go, okay, well, I probably won't have enough time to do the full uh, intentional on the podcast episode of the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, what am I going to do? But while I'm outside here, um, I still had a few of the Christmas lights. I started taking down Christmas lights yesterday and I'm going, well, I still have a few more to take down. So there were some, these snow globe things that were over top of our garage and stuff. And I was moving this table and then I, we have, we have this kind of a, on our front porch, we have, uh, we have this, um, kind of a glass 
pineapple thing that has lights in it and lights up. And, you know, if you're, if you know me well, or you've heard many of my story, or maybe you've seen a YouTube video, you see that the lovely place of uh, Hawaii and more specifically Maui is very, very important to me. I have, I have tokens and and I have um, reminders of the beautiful island of Maui everywhere, including this beautiful glass thing that has lights inside out of a pineapple out, outside on a front deck anyways of me moving things around and oh lo and behold you can probably tell where this is going i bumped the pineapple it fell it shattered Ugh. one of those days everything was just a pure pivot and i could have chose to just sit there and go oh whoa is me and just you know every it's just a crappy day let's just pack her in but finally got in showered cleaned up and I'm going, okay, well, I don't have a full amount of time to deliver the good, the bad, and the ugly pod, uh, podcast episode here. But I have this wonderful episode that I just recently recorded with uh, Mike Banks. And Mike and I sat down this past week, and it was really very appropriate that we sat down in the early part of a new year, and we had this conversation. So, so Mike and I dove into some really cool topics. We talked about, you know, restarting. Uh, I'm not going to share the full story. Mike goes very detailed into things that were going on in his life. It was going down a wrong path and he essentially rebuilt himself. He restarted from scratch. And then uh, he did something very... <laughs> You know, not traditional, but what a lot of people typically do is they want to get healthier. Mike decided to take his health level to the next to the next echelon as he started training to be a triathlete. And we walked through the process of him doing his first triathlon, which he just completed this past year. And then at the same time, you know, because when you have... Um, conversation with somebody who's uh, got his finger on the pulse of the market in in a certain area of the country you definitely will talk a lot about real estate so i pivoted this morning's conversation i pivoted what we're going to launch out onto the podcast the good the bad and the ugly uh reflection upon 2023 is still coming out but i have this wonderful episode that i wanted to share with you today which makes perfect sense with what the morning was going on as well so far so with all that being said ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome mr mike banks Mike Banks, how are you? Good to see you, my brother. How are things? Happy New Year, first and foremost. Yeah, likewise. Happy New Year as well. Yeah, I know we're we're breaking a cardinal sin by we're dating this, you know, this evergreen content by talking about New Year. But, you know, let's be honest, we're recording this very early into 2024 and everybody is, uh, you know, housing their New Year's resolutions and everybody's doing their sugar detoxes and everybody's (laughs) drinking more water and all that kind of stuff. So I have to warn you, I may have to hit pause a couple of times because I have to drink a gallon, like I have to drink a gallon of water a day. So I'm I'm doing a... I'm doing the 75 hard challenge. Have you ever heard of that? I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Yeah. You're doing the gala today. I figured you might've been doing that challenge. I did it. I started it six times and I've completed it. Sorry. This one I'm doing now is the sixth time I've started. I've completed twice and uh, hopefully I'm going to be three for six. So I'll be 50, 50%. So what are we a a couple days in, but uh, 75 hard is nothing compared to the journey that you were on recently, my friend. (laughs) I'm sitting here, I'm looking at you, um, and, you know, we know each other, we know of each other, you know, your brother Brian has been on the podcast a couple times, 
I don't even recognize you anymore. You, you, Go you're on. completely, you look completely different. Um, so what's been going on in your life, my brother, what's been happening? Yeah, it's been crazy. It's crazy to say that I've been hearing that a little bit, especially people like I don't, I would go to my office a lot. And every time I do be like, what happened to you? <laughs> You're not the person. So you've been on a journey over the past little while. And, uh, you know, I got uh, some, you've, you've, you just completed your first. Now, if I'm making any I hopefully you're not an Iron Man snob or tri- <laughs> triathlon. Snob. If I if I have some wrong terminology and stuff like that, please correct me on this because I think there's an entire culture of triathletes yeah. and Iron Men and things like that. But you just completed your first um, Iron Man triathlete, did you not? First full Iron Man, yeah. First full. First. So let me let me back up. What is what does that mean? So well, there's there's multiple distances in Ironman. So they consider the long distances, the long courses is 70.3 miles and up. So that's half Ironman. Full Ironman is 140.6. Um, but yeah, don't worry if you get any terminology or any language wrong. Like I, I'm as much a triathlon noob as, as anybody. <laughs> when I started swimming, I didn't even have goggles. A grandma asked me to get out of the way because I was too slow in the pool. Um, when I signed up for the race, I didn't even own a bike. I didn't own a bicycle <laughs> and I'm signing up for this event that a big part of it's riding a bicycle. Wow. So, so, so you just finished, when did you finish it? Yeah. So November 19th was the full Ironman. Um, yeah, to say a journey. Yeah. To say, to say it was a journey is a, a good way to put it, I guess, because I was actually supposed to do Penticton end of August, but that race was canceled because of the wildfires. Obviously everything happened. So I had to train all over again. Not completely all over again, because I had obviously a pretty incredible base from building up to the first attempt. Um, but it was definitely a mental and physical toll to go yeah. through in three to four months of training all over again, because the training load is insane. Okay, well, we're, we're definitely going to unpack that, because I'm a firm believer in, you know, how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. And high performers in one area are high performers in another. And that's one of the main reasons yeah, we, we will talk. We will talk real estate here because you're a, a, yeah. a, a, an outstanding real estate professional. Yeah, but I, I really want to get into the mindset of really what uh, decided that you wanted to do that. But before we get into that backstory, no. um, the Iron Man, is that a brand name? Is that something that most people know of? Is it is a certain just a brand of, of something? And what does that mean? Yeah, and again, like I, I might be getting some of this stuff wrong too because I'm just I'm kind of new myself. Um, but yeah, Iron Man is it's a company, it's a brand. The the distance of it, it, the distance has kind of become the brand and vice versa. So the distance of two point four mile swim, no, yeah, two point yeah, two point four, two point four, three point nine. I can't remember the distances anymore. Um, but 112 mile bike and a full marathon, so twenty six point two mile run. And and that's over like twelve years that you have to complete that, or <laughs> <laughs> no, seventeen hours. That's all you get. You you I mean they cap it if you don't finish it at a time. Yeah. They just they just turn the lights off and tell everybody to go home. Essentially, yeah, you'll get plugged. You'll hit certain uh, cutoff times at certain portions of the race. You you get pulled off the course basically. Wow! It just hey, look, you're not going to finish because you won't, right? Like, and that actually unfortunately happened to a friend of mine. Which, how, uh, how long did it take you? How long did you do it then? I was 11 hours, 15 minutes, of, 18 seconds, I believe. Wow. So, and pretty much nonstop swim, bike, run, yeah. like, like you're going full time. Holy Pretty crap. much. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had to stop on the bike. Um, ideally on the bike, you, 
pee at least twice because you're hydrated. Um, so I was I was right on right on par with that. Well, and you also uh, you also one. have to have a nervous poo before you start too, obviously, right? Well, <laughs> some people do. I mean, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, if you want to get into that part of it, but no, I I actually avoided that because a lot of it leading up to the race is, um, you know, your your diet, your nutrition is pretty much a big part of how you perform during training and during the race. So leading up to a race of this, uh, you really like I call it fiber deloading. So I'm really bringing down my fiber content leading up to the race. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So we'll get into a lot of the nuances and, and it's funny how I'm, you know, the book I'm reading right now is Tim Grover's winning. I'm sorry, rereading it again. I think yeah. I've read it like about three or four times and it's, it sounds like a good, awesome. a good book. And I've seen it going, well, I'm talking to Mike, so I better talk about winning here a little bit. <laughs> right? So, um, okay. What was like, did you just wake up one day and just say, yeah, um, what the heck? You looked over to your, your, your lovely wife and your, your lovely wife is, um, Brittany. Brittany. Yes. And you looked over and said, well, I think I'm going to just do the Iron Man over there. <laughs> what was, what was kind of the, the, the moment that you decided to oh, do man. that? I mean, so there's a saying like behind every Iron Man is an Iron Woman because mm-hmm. I mean, that, that saying can't be more true. Like this, this past summer, for example, to be like, Hey babe, I'm uh, you know, I'd love to help around the house. I'd love to cut the grass, but I've got an eight hour bike ride. I got to go to you. Like, bye. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's, uh, she was a big support, big supporter in allowing me to do it. Like, I really, I really like, you know, you mentioned earlier looking different is as much as I've like lost weight and I, and I look better. It's more how it feel like mentally, that's been the biggest transformation. Um, and one of the big driving factors of doing this is just building back up that confidence, building back up, keeping commitments to yourself, you know, setting goals, finishing them, doing the hard things, proving yourself that you can do hard things, all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, basically, long story short, the the inspiration was uh, I, I'm a runner. I've I've always been a runner on and off throughout my life, uh, but I kept getting injured. So as a form of physiotherapy and just cross training, I started swimming, which then led to a little bit of cycling before I slowly introduced running again because I, I injured my hip and I really fell in love with swimming and yeah, a little bit of cycling. And I thought, you know what? Hey, let's let's try and do all three of these things together. Well, let's try to make running harder. <laughs> By swimming, biking, and then going for a run. So that's kind of what I was looking for out of it. So yeah, like I said earlier, I, I signed up for Ironman without owning a bike. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't swim with goggles in the pool. I was getting passed by grandmas. So when yeah. was, when was that? When was that where you kind of just kind of did and kind of made that, that kind of that pivot? So there was no real desperation or inspiration. It was just kind of a, it was more of an organic it was an organic yeah. leading down a path that this is just the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking like looking for that next challenge. Right. I, I checked off a pretty big run goal. I did a double marathon. So an ultra marathon, which was 84.4 kilometers. I ran all in one go and thought, you know, what? Hey, look, this is cool. Let's, let's try something also hard, which triathlon kind of always intrigued me, but it never done it. So gave it a shot. Well, how long ago was that? So, uh, so that was in August of 2022. That's okay. basically when when sh- shit kind of hit the proverbial fan for me, just personally, yeah. not so much professionally, but just personally, right? Just things you're battling and stress and being overweight, injured. What was going Honestly, on? What, really, was, what was happening? Well, just real estate. Real estate is a crazy, crazy business. It can spit you up and chew you out pretty hard, right? Um, it's very demanding. You remember call. Um, so I was just 
really neglecting my health, you know, not eating well. My running was slipping, got injured running. So it was kind of time to just tear everything down to the ground and build back up again, basically. Yeah. So that was, if I get that correct, August 2021? Uh, 2022. 2022. Oh, even so. So you just kind of made that commitment and just decided that you you might even be a little bit like me. Sometimes it's like I have to kill something or or it kills me. Right. And that's the way I am sometimes with golf or with 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 real estate or performance or doing a diet process or something. It's just like I have to if, if I'm not if I'm not all in, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think most A type, most entrepreneurial A type people are like that. Right. They're just it's all in or nothing. So, yeah. but at the same time, it's also it's also very prone to injury. It's also very prone Air. to burnout. It's very prone to a lot of the things that you mentioned before. Sometimes the oh, cure can 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 actually be worse than the, than the original symptoms that you've had as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. I mean. Um, addiction goes, it it can go both ways. It can be good or bad and doing, you know, even being addicted to running, which essentially I kind of am, um, you know, you can push that to the extreme as well too and run too much and, you know, burn out and get injured. And so, yeah, everything was just, it just kind of all came to a head all at once. And that was, yeah, I'll never forget. I kind of call it like my rebirth. That was September 1st, 2022. And it was just like, Hey, like no, something's not working. This just isn't working. So, you know, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's just like, I, I got to do something different. So I just tore everything down to the ground and kind of rebuild myself back up. Yeah, so, you, you were reborn in many respects yeah, at like that time. Head, diet, nutrition, just fitness, everything. I call it my four S actually. Yeah, what, what were those? Focus, focus, fueling, which is nutrition, uh, which is very important because what you put in your body, it's gasoline for your body basically. Uh, your function, you know, your daily habits, what you're doing, how you're moving your body, how you're recovered, and then recovery or finish, how you finish, how you recover, get ready for that next, you know, that next task, that next, next workout, whatever yeah. it is, right? And that I found doing it with fitness and on myself, working on myself, it, it really translates into all areas of like business, wow. entrepreneurship, investing, everything. Well, that's crazy. Um, one of the things I actually made a note when you were talking about too is, you know, uh, there's an old stoic philosophy that goes something like this is sometimes when you take your greatest strength to an extreme, it actually can become your greatest weakness. Like for yep. example, if you have an addiction to something, even though it might be very powerful and it might, it might actually be uplifting and help and things, but taken to an extreme, it actually can be yep. a, become a weakness down the road too. Well, yeah. Wow. So, so what was kind of the process? So you, you, so, so obviously September 1st, 2022, you just woke up and you said, ta-da, I'm here. I am reborn. Let the heavens shine down. Let the sing and all the doves and the things yeah. that were flying around and the, the heavens open and the choirs were just yeah, starting no, and everything yeah. was just perfect that day. Wasn't it? So. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. What and was the, was, what was I, the process that you went through to kind of start this journey? Well, um, Luckily, I don't know if it was by fluke or by design, but um, like I said, everything kind of came to a head in August 2022. But September was always traditionally a month that I did what's called, I call it sober September. So it's just like a reset month because as a real estate agent, the spring and summer, that's your make hay with the sunshine time, right? So you just, you're just getting pounded. You're getting pulled in all different directions, clients, and you know, it's a demanding job. Um, so September has always kind of been my reset month where I just say, you know, sober September, no drinking, purely focus on myself, you know, uh, my diet, my nutrition, everything, just focus on me, get regrouped, 
and ready for the next go around, basically. Um, but what had happened, because I'd done this about three or four years, but I never actually stuck with it. It was always kind of a yo-yo effect, right? Slowly, especially coming in the Christmas season, you start drinking a little bit again, and then bam, you're back to where you start from. And then the stress of spring, you know, spring market, summer market comes again, and it's just like this over uh, routine over and over again. Yeah. Whereas for some reason, this time, I was just like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to continue living like this and let's see how much because I you I always came out at the end of September feeling so great and I always thought to myself like man I feel so good why don't I just always live like this but old habits creep up again right whereas like this yeah 2022 was just like you know what no I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop this this repeating pattern and just continue to live like this so yeah that was over a year and four months ago now so I haven't drank since September 1st 2022 I mean, eating extremely clean, like a whole food plant-based diet, um, right? Exercising is, you know, six days a week. Haven't missed really, other than being like extremely sick. <laughs> it's the only time I've missed really. Wow. Wow. So I haven't get injured. Luck on wood. Yeah. You know, I used to get injured all the time. I used to actually take four ibuprofens a day just to run. Wow. I haven't taken single ibuprofen since September 1st, 2022. Wow. So, yeah. so, um, uh, there's a, there's an awful lot there to unpack. So I, I have a feeling um, a good portion yeah. of this not only is the exercise, but I imagine the changes you made in diet probably yeah. helped out a lot with this, with the inflammation. So like you didn't just wake up one day and you were instantly healthy and fit, but I would nah. imagine all those things stacked on top of each other probably made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. The compounding effects were insane. It wasn't until about three weeks in that I really started to notice um, because I'd always, you know, in the September, the sober September, I always cut the drinking, but I never really ate that well. Like I ate a little bit cleaner, but not as clean as I do now. Um, but yeah, about three weeks in, it was just like, wow, like especially running while running and after running, it was like, man, this is a, you know, a big notice. And just mentally too, I just, you know, the clarity and the just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's yeah. hard to explain. Well, I, I, that's what's really encouraging is one of the, the things that most people get really frustrated about by making a lifestyle change for health is yeah. they don't typically see results pretty quick that they get frustrated and then they slip back to old habits. But you're, you're telling me if you stack things and if you do it all in, you stack your health and your focus and your faith and your fitness and your fueling and, and your recharging, you can potentially see some noticeable, tangible results within a month. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, like I said, about three weeks in, um, so I always did during, so at the start of the September, I always did a, a detox, like a cleanse as well. Yep. The, uh, wild rose. I don't know if you heard of the wild yep. rose. Yep. It, it, don't, don't but, stray too far from a bathroom when you're doing a wild rose yeah. cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's an understatement of the century. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I digressed Didn't mean to get graphic there, but <laughs> no, no, it's all good. No, it's, uh, it's crazy. But, um, yeah. So I don't know if, again, I don't know if it was by design or by just fluke or what, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, cause this whole journey is, it's almost become like a spiritual journey, spiritual journey, if anything, because it's just the, the way I feel and everything, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's night and day compared to where I was and how I felt. Right. Um, but yeah, so with this, with that wild rose, um, detox they they very much encourage you know they give you the the they give you the diet you're supposed to eat with it and when you look at that diet it's like huh it's very little animal based foods and proteins but i always thought i was just 
kind of stupid, right? I love steak and all that kind of stuff. But well, you're, you're a good, a good old Albertan boy, right? Well, that's just <laughs> it, right? It's like, how can you be from Alberta and not eat steak? Yeah. Um, but you mentioned before, like the inflammation. I, I didn't realize how much um, like alcohol and sort of foods that you eat contributed to inflammation in your body. So that was kind of just that clicking aha moment for me. It was like, you know, as a runner, you're pounding your body, you're pounding pavement, literally. You're pounding your body, your joints, your muscles. And then you're coming home and you're eating what you think is healthy and what's helping you, but it's actually further making it worse because it's taking the inflammation you already have and then not healing it and actually making it worse. Wow. That's why I see like three weeks into it. It was just, holy crap, I can't believe how much better I feel. And you just, I noticed in my running, I was running, you know, the same routes I was doing, but my heart rate was lower. I wasn't as tired. I had more energy and the recovery was the big one because after like the day after the run, I didn't feel sore. I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel like my joints were achy or anything like that. Well, one of the cool things, if I'm hearing this correctly, is you had a you probably had a good solid foundation. Like you would have had a good foundation of being a, a runner and yeah. somebody running, but at the same time, with all the inflammation and all the ibuprofens that you were having to take, and you potentially could have been wearing things down quicker and could have even just yeah. exasperating some of the issues and you could have been, you know. At a young man and in your in your fifties, you'd be able to barely walk around and you know yeah. get to, get, chase the grandkids anymore, right? Totally, yeah, totally. I mean, that's kind of the saying in running is uh, it's easy to start running, but it's hard to keep running because a lot of people get injured and then they drop out or they think it you know doesn't work or they blow out their knees or their hips. So that's that's the key. It's just okay. keep running because running is such a magical thing. It's okay. so beneficial for you, but if you can't keep doing it, you're not going to keep you know, enjoying the medical. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I actually did some running when I was younger, my younger days, I was more of a cross country. I'm built more for <laughs> shorter distance and speed and, and not that you, nobody, I'm not making an excuse, like not that I couldn't eventually become a runner, but I often make the joke is if anybody sees me running, you better start running too, because something's probably chasing me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, okay. So first and foremost, everybody, we're here with Mike Banks and he's just dropping the fire here. And when fire happens, always bombs get exploded. So, okay. You had that moment, you rebirth, you had that moment of, you know, coming to health is the, is the altar of health, if you will. And yeah. that's a good altar to come to. Um, did you, and I know you, you, you mentioned you found like kind of a little dietary plan through a detox program. Did you seek out coaches or guides or mentors or did you kind of just kind of YouTube it or how did you kind of do it? Oh man, YouTube. Yeah, I love YouTube. I, I've watched endless amounts of YouTube on running, health and wellness and diet, you know, documentaries, books. I've read tons of books, but accountability is a huge one. So coaching is, it's, it's paramount in my opinion, right? Um, accountability is so, so important. So especially when I dealt with doing a triathlon, I had no idea what was it, what I was doing. So I hired a, a triathlon specific coach, which was a game changer, absolute game changer. Cause with running, I always built my own kind of running plans. I got a little bit of help, but I mostly built my own. Um, but I never really like other, just my sheer will and desire, at least kind of bulldoze my way through it. But with having a coach, it was amazing because I would magically open up the app and there's my whole week. Don't have to think at all, right? Like um, willpower and deci- decision fatigue. Like the more you have to think about things and plan, you know, your willpower slowly diminishes over time. That's been proven. So yeah, with the coach, you just open up. It's like, okay, Monday I'm doing this. Tuesday I'm doing that. Wednesday I'm doing this. Thursday I'm doing that. Like your whole week's plan for you, basically. 
So you you graduated from I call it the PhD the method. You know what PhD stands for? Oh, I don't know if I've heard this one. Pig-headed determination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You graduate from pig-headed determination into more nuanced and more enhancement and having somebody kind of yeah. a more of a guide process. To, and then couple that with your P- PhD and you got you got a pretty powerful combination. Yeah, totally. I think if I would have hired a running coach in the beginning, I probably would have avoided all the mistakes. I made every mistake in the book, like every like running too fast, running too hard, you know, always being in zone five, heart rate always maxed out. <laughs> You know, not doing that slow aerobic base work. Well, I would probably well, I, yeah, I would imagine as you kind of went in your journey and you sit there, go, well, I got the running part down. And then probably as you got into more detail and nuance and higher level and higher performance, higher performance comes lower tolerances with things. You probably go, geez, my gait was off. I'm, I'm not a good runner. And then you had to re- rebuild your run too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with triathlon, it's, I mean, especially introducing swimming. Swimming is what keeps most people out of triathlon. Uh, rightfully so, because like I was terrified. <laughs> the, the, the first open water swim I ever did. With the, the dog well, paddle? Well, you were, you perfected the dog paddle? Well, I, I got out. I, I got out to the middle of the lake. I'll never forget. I got out to the middle of the lake and for some reason just kind of clicked. I looked up, looked around like, okay, shore is like really far that way. It's really far that way. It's really far that way. It's really far that way. I don't have, I don't have a life jacket on. The lake is a hundred feet deep below me what the hell am I doing out here? And then panic, like just instant panic sets in because you're like, what if I cramp? What if I drown? Oh my God, like all these crazy irrational fears start popping in your head, right? So that was a really cool experience to go through is facing that fear and that, that challenge and overcoming it and realizing, you know what, it's not that bad. Was that the hardest discipline to kind of, uh, pardon upon, jump into? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Swimming is insanely technical. Like anybody, I mean, I thought I was a good swimmer. Like most people, you grow up going to the lake, you splash around and, you know, swim to the dock and back and jump off the back of the boat. Yeah, I can swim. Um, but swimming competitively, efficiently and far is a whole different ball. Yeah. With 7,000 other people whapping you on the head, oh, doing their stroke yeah. and all that kind of thing too. So you're telling yeah. me your training at Pigeon Lake when you're growing up just didn't quite cut it for, for, yes. for doing op- open water swimming? No, not at all. Not at all. Where, like I said, where was the competition? Started, it was in Arizona, was it not? Yeah. Yeah. Tempe, just south of Scottsdale, just outside of Phoenix. Okay. So I guess the temperature would have been reasonable at that time of year, I would imagine, for doing that. Yeah, it was great. Uh, one of the things I've heard about that race, though, is the, the water is notoriously very cold. Like people coming out of the water, talking about hypothermic type conditions, which I don't know if that was just because a lot of these people are coming from warmer climates in the U.S. Because when I look at the water temperatures, I'm like, that bad I and mean, that's pretty much what it's like here in alberta um but we, we did have unusually warm water yeah when i when i raced which was nice so are you are you hooked hook line and sinker are you oh, yeah. in are you doing it are you registered for the next one already not yet um because i'm trying to decide if i want to do uh, so here's the thing with endurance sport is uh, it is very addicting um but once it's, it's like anything, right? It's like business. It's like investing. It's like anything. There's, there's always someone who's gone a little bit farther, who's a little bit faster. So if you, you end up chasing that, there's no end in sight, right? Because there's always going to be someone better. So you got to just focus on you, run your own race. Uh, but that's what I'm kind of stuck in right now is, do I go faster or do I go farther? The going farther is, it's intriguing, but it's also a dangerous path because like I said, it doesn't end, you right? Know? Like 
people are, oh yeah, it's crazy. You didn't know Iron Man. I look at it like, well, no, it's, it's really not that crazy because more other people have done it. Um, there was, you know, I was running with a guy who was 65 years old. It was a six Iron Man. You know, who am I? I'm not even 40 yet. And I did an Iron Man. Like, big deal. <laughs> you know, this guy's 65 and he's almost beating me. <laughs> wow. So there's, there's hope for us old guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like the, the world of running joke and I, in triathlon actually in general is that it is a middle-aged older sport because it just the, the the dedication required and the time required to train you know when you're, you're in your young 20s and you can barely afford to pay rent you don't have time to go for an eight-hour bike ride because you're working all the time right yep. uh, so it's, and it's, also, the, it's the midlife crisis sport <laughs> it's that too yeah there's a lot of people <laughs> going through the midlife crisis um and then also the means and resources to be able to buy some of this gear mm. Yeah, I would imagine in order to take the time to train, to get the gear, to travel, to to spend eight hours plus a day training is is a huge, huge commitment. And I would imagine you had to build up your training process to get to almost doing a, a full, a full Ironman by the time you had to start doing it. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. In, um, the swimming, you build up to a full distance in your swim training. Uh, biking, same thing. Running, you never actually run the full amount because running is a lot more taxing on the body. So it's not advised to run a full marathon in your training. Yep. Um, because the recovery is a lot harder, whereas biking is less, it's less taxing. So swimming. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, you know, I've been, so I've been to the two triathlons that I was in, the Calgary Half Ironman and then the Full Ironman in Arizona. Each time when I racked my bike, I'm, you know, I'm looking four or five bikes up and down. There's a couple hundred thousand dollars of bikes just in bicycles. Like some of these people's bicycles are worth more than vehicles. Oh, wow. That's... I know people, I know people that have over $40,000 in bicycles. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. I guess that would, it would be a serious commitment, financial commitment, not only just the time and yeah. stuff like that. There would be a financial commitment to it as well. And, uh, well, but, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time and I, you know, by all means, we're not even finished the conversation here today. I, I wanted to just, um, what, what was some of the biggest lessons that you took away from this that, you know, you know, okay, let me back up. Let me ask a better question. Um, the majority of the people that are going to be listening and watching this will be real estate investors, first and foremost, but every one of them are high performers. They want more. They want more out of life. They want better relationships. They want better marriages. They want more yep. real estate. They want a hundred properties. They want to vacation harder. They want, they want more with a lot yep. of that. Um, what were some of the biggest lessons you've took from your journey to get to your first Ironman, first of many, and that you would uh, can apply across all spectrums of life? Wow, that's a deep, loaded question. Um, I mean, the biggest thing I learned is because I, I, you know, I'm I am one of those people, right? I everything I do, I want to do it all in, including being a realtor, all that stuff, right? Which is part of the reason why my health took the the ass kicking that it. It took because I'm so focused on income and, you know, got to win these awards and be the top producer and blah, blah, blah. You fail to realize it's, you know, it's like the oxygen mask theory that everybody loves to talk about, right? Is if you can put your own oxygen mask on first, you can't help anybody. You're going to be unconscious or dead. So yeah, it was, it was a big, big, like almost, like I said earlier, almost a spiritual experience and journey just to realize, you know, how important your health is, especially like, you know, I'm not even that old, but I've had some people around me, my friend who's 39 just passed away a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago, actually of cancer. So it just kind of opens your eyes that, you know, your health is so important. So, so important. You know, you, you can always buy another product. 
you know, always do another deal as a realtor, but you and on buy another day. So taking care of yourself is all about just limiting those risks to disease and preventing them as best you can, right? Give yourself the best shot to live a long, healthy, happy life. Wow. So really just prioritize off prioritization of self as a starting yeah. point. And you had you said something very early on in this process too, which I made a note of and I hit 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 head on was run your own race. Yeah. Um you know, I would imagine in a high ultra competitive culture of triathletes, um, it could be very toxic at the same time of of that too. And I would imagine running your own race and prioritizing your health would be very, yeah. very key in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's massively important to run your own race because it's so easy to compare, right? Especially with social media now. Social media is, it's, you know, it's very, it's a, it's a great tool, but it's also a very dangerous tool. And it's very, it can be very toxic. Because, um, you know, especially the way the algorithms are feeding your, feeding your feed, right? Because as you're clicking on stuff and interacting, it's just showing you more and more of that. So you end up, you kind of end up in this echo chamber and you can get to a point where you're comparing yourself to everybody else, right? Yeah. These, these yeah. stupid little phone devices yeah. can be, um, it's one of the habits I'm trying to break myself and, you know, embarrassing to say, I was starting to get really bad going on my phone before bed. Like yeah. in the bedroom before bed, watching YouTube. I, I'm I'm researching, Mike. Yeah. I am doing the my research, and then it's just yeah. it's just it's just terrible. And then eventually, that's what I decided. One of the habits I'm going to change this year. Right. And I think I saw this from you. You introduced me to Streaks app. It's called Streaks app, and yeah. tracking yeah, yeah. tracking your habits and tracking a win streak of things. And oh. that's one of the things I'm. You know, I'm telling everybody on my podcast to hold me accountable to this. Everybody is I I do not. The only time my phone can ever come into the bedroom anymore is if it's in a piece of clothing that maybe if I'm going to have a shower or something, but it does not get turned on. I removed the charging station. I removed everything out of there. It has to be plugged in down. It has to be an entire floor away from me if I'm going to sleep. So, right. Yeah. No, it's solid. Yeah. I mean, keeping your phone out of the bedroom and the bathroom. If you want to earn back some time, <laughs> just don't turn the phone into those two places. <laughs> but we're researching, Mike. Come on. Yeah. It's it's research. I'm checking out. I'm 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 finalizing an offer. <laughs> totally. totally. And then, yeah, next thing you know, you're scrolling, you know, like because it, it happens to everybody, right? Like cause even it happens to me. I go to check an email or whatever, and then next thing you know, before I know it, just automatically you're scrolling Instagram or something or scrolling Facebook. What the hell did I end up here? Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah, I it's it's a slippery slope. It really isn't, especially if you ever watch anything like the social dilemma or any of those kind of things. Yeah, I love that. A lot of these things were just they're designed that way. Like they, yeah. they literally design the dopamine hit. They design yep. these things to keep you scrolling. The algorithm keeps showing you something that you're more interested in. Lo and behold, you're interested in and in Ironman and triathlons, yeah. you watch one video and then the next time you jump onto YouTube, there's seven more videos recommended oh, for really? you. So it just, it just keeps you, keeps you engaged and keeps you hooked on a little, one. a little tiny little screen. Well, well, yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned Social Dilemma because I, I really, I, I really enjoyed that documentary. It was really eye-opening too, because it had a lot of the founders of some of these apps on there that basically said, you know, they had the best intentions when they designed these things. They were supposed to be these social networks, but they, what they've become is something they're not proud of. And a lot of these, you know, early, I don't know if they were executives or what they were, but wow. And I watched that, but a lot of them have since left these companies because they just no longer morally agree what these things have become. Yeah. 
Now, e- easy, easy to say, sometimes difficult to do, but, yeah. but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I, this is the message I gave to myself is you're worth this. You're worth yeah. a better sleep. You're worth, and you know, and, and it's so easy and it justification. Like I'm listening to some positive programming in my ear before yeah. going to sleep and, you know, listen so, to something motivational. And then, but at the same time, by listening to something, it's keeping you away from your sleep. It's keeping you yep. out of your good REMS deep sleep and things like that. And then, and yeah, then, no. you know, you, lo and behold, you got to check your weather app and check the, check the bond, yeah, check, yeah. check the bond rates and what the heck's happening with, with the interest <laughs> yeah. rates and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's a forever, ever ending cycle. So, now, the only thing that is acceptable is if you're listening to the Russell Westcott podcast, then by all means, man. please have it on, have it on binge and repeat as many, there as many go. as possible. <laughs> well, one of your episodes, uh, I can't remember how long ago it was that I listened to is, um, it was a great message because it's, it's a mantra that I live by is when it comes to social media, you want to be a net cons- uh, creator, not consumer. You, know, you want to be like, and I'm terrible because as bad as it sounds, you know, social media is supposed to be social on it. I pretty much go on to social media to post and then I'm off. Which leaves me with a lot of unless, you know, reply to comments and all that kind of stuff. But like, I just, I, I post and then I get off, but like I see, cause you can see, like you can see who watches your stories and you can see all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, come around, like, don't you have anything better to do and watch all these Instagram stories of people? Like, you know, watch, watch your own light. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard something um, Joe Rogan said once, you know, not that I'm perfect with this is po- post and ghost is his model. Yeah. Post oh, something cool, and then just ghost, like go away. Yeah. Like don't, don't. I never, yeah, I've never heard that. One. Don't, yeah. don't no. uh, engage. Like, but at certain levels, though, sometimes you do need to engage. Depends on the. Obviously, if you're at Joe Rogan's level, you definitely want to post and ghost. But yeah. if you get three YouTube comments and something like that, you can definitely do that. But don't wait for it and live by it. And the moment it t- comes yeah. on, the next time you post something online, go answer the comments and then be on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know um, what some people do. What I do, uh, especially with YouTube is I'll, I'll post a video and I'll wait, you know, for a little bit, I'll answer like the first five or 10 comments and then it's like, okay, then you can go away kind of thing. Cool. Um, so I don't want to, I didn't want to complete, I want to complete the thought around of some lessons. So any other lessons sure. that you, uh, that you did learn from, from the triathlete process to that you would apply to what you're doing, um, what's next and what's in your life? Yeah, totally. It's, um, oh, I mean, obviously the, the, so the Ironman mantra is anything is possible. I mean, I, it's, I always wonder, right? Like <laughs> these Ironman community, this Ironman community, I always thought it was, I always thought it was like cult because it very much seemed like a cult. Like these people, they seemed crazy. They're just all beating their chest. Anything's possible. Rah, rah, rah. I was like, but until you live it and go through it, um, kind of get indoctrinated into it, it's like, okay, I get it now. I get it because going through something like that, like you are so much more capable than you think. Um, so that, that was a huge lesson I taught myself because when I, when I signed up for the race, like it scared the shit out. God, 3.9 kilometer swim. Like, how am I ever going to do that? Um, and believe me, the morning of the race, or no, sorry, a couple of days before the race, I ran to the swim course and looked at it. That was a huge mistake because when you see 3.9 kilometers in person, um, you know, from point A to point B and you need to swim that and realize how long it is. Like, oh my God. But here I am. I didn't drown. I, I made it. I mean, I, I'm scared shitless. But so yeah, doing the hard things, you're capable, so much capable, so much more 
set huge, huge goals, like goals that scare the shit out of you because let's say I failed. Let's say I didn't finish my iron. Like what happened to my friend? She did not complete it. However, she finished the swim, she finished the bike and she ran a half marathon. So she was like 16 and a half hours into it before she got pulled off the course. Like unbelievable. She'd never run, she'd never gone that distance in her life. So no, she didn't finish the race, but she had failed, failed. Um, by failing, she had done so much more than you know, yep. she thought she was capable of or a lot of other people thought she was capable well, of. Well, and I would imagine, and you probably know the stats or have heard the stats. I don't, I don't know them, but I would imagine somebody that has completed an Ironman would be in like a point zero 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 percentile yeah. of, of people, I would imagine. Yeah. So here's the ironic, um, very actually interesting stat though. Is, yeah. The, the, the percentage of people who have completed an Ironman is very small. However, the people who tow the start line and complete is very large. I think it's like over 80% of people that tow the line actually complete their Ironman. And I think that's a testament to just the kind of person that signs up for something like that, right? Like, you know, let's be honest, like it's, it's not a, you're not a normal person. You're a bit crazy to, to attempt something like this. You have to be a little bit crazy because it's a crazy undertaking. Well, that would be Uh a... Well, let's put it this way. That would be a signal of commitment, right? Is if yeah. you if you have made the commitment to get yeah. through that process and the training, and the training will probably kill most people, just even of itself, um, to get to that point, to get to the starting line, it's, it, it actually does make sense. It's like the 80-20 rule, right? So totally. 80% or 20% of the people create 80% of the results. But in this case, these are exceptional people. This is like the 80-20 yeah. of the 80-20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Wow, pretty much. I mean, ironically though, like I, I mean, there's all shapes and sizes there. There's people that I saw in the course that are just like, you know, not to judge, but it was like, uh, are you aware of what? So <laughs> what is ahead of you right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, like that, that's anything in life is um how you prepare. Like the the more you you know, the more you bleed in the training, the less you bleed in war, right? For example, is that's is, one of my favorite mantras. Too, and right? I think I butchered it, but I think it's the more you the more you bleed in the more training, sweat and practice, the less in bleeding war. That's correct. Yes, yeah, or or we can just have all the cliches here, or you know, much oh, rather yeah. much rather be a a, a warrior <laughs> in the garden than a gardener in the war, <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? So, but then totally. there there are some freaks out there like um, the David Goggins of the world that just literally show up with the uh, with the uh, flip flops and a pack of crackers and a, and a, and a bottle of Gatorade and just go do a hundred, a hundred mile run. Right. So you're not, you're not becoming like David Goggins where you're just F bomb and everything. Right. <laughs> I love David Goggins. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, like you gotta take him with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I quite frankly, I don't even think he's human. <laughs> I think he's an alien. Oh, there's, that's if if any if any of none of you are familiar with what we're talking about is there's a fellow named David Goggins who wrote um, "Can't Hurt Me" or "Never Finished." Two two amazing books, and that is about as hardcore of a human being as hardcore can ever get. Like that is just yeah. insane. It's insanity in some cases. Totally, but yeah. uh, but it's holy moly. After you listen to some of his work, it. it um, Gives a little perspective on Jesus. I have to go for a four kilometer walk. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think I can endure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, not just it, right? Like back to the life lessons. Um, putting yourself through something that's like committing to something like this and completing it, you just prove to yourself that you, you just you have so much in you. Like, like when I finished that 
fin- when I crossed that finish line, I thought it was going to collapse. That was my plan to run to your collapse. But when I finished it, I was like, I feel pretty good. Like I could have kept going. So then it plays back in your mind. Like, could I go farther? Could I have gone faster? Like, because, um, but you get into like the science and the biological side of it. Like your brain is actually, you know, it's hardwired to protect you. And one of the things that there's this belief of is there's this uh, a limiter, like a governor in your brain. So it's basically like, you know, it's pacing you. It won't allow you to exert too much energy because it doesn't like it to die, basically. Um, so I think that that governor, I, it's not just an endurance sport, but it's in everything. It's in business. It's in, entrepreneurship. it's in everything too, right? There's always that little thing in the back of your head saying, like trying to protect and keep you safe because we're running on software from the you know, caveman days hmm. when danger was everywhere. Yeah, I love, I love that analogy is, you know, essentially by doing these th- difficult things, a couple things. Um, and I'm just, I'm going to put words in your mouth here if I'm offside mm-hmm. just by, by all means, let, uh, tell me. I would imagine one thing that would be a huge benefit would be honoring your word. Like you said, you said you were going to do something, you made a commitment to do it, and you're going to honor your word. That in definition is confidence. You build that confidence when you keep honoring your word. The other thing is too, is by doing those difficult things, by doing some really difficult things, it stretches you to a new paradigm. It stretches you to a new thought process. It stretches you to a new possibility of what you can and can't do. And you know, you're going to be sitting there, you know, maybe after you and I have a few more conversations and you're going to be analyzing a hundred unit apartment building and stuff like that. You're going to be saying, oh, this is just like when I had to go and do the, 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 my last triathlon, I had to endure and I had to really, you know, hunker down and all that kind of stuff too. So, well, fantastic. No, that's, that's perfect. Like, so in Jay, I don't know if you've read, you probably, I'm sure you've read it. Like you're well, you're well-read guy, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yep. It's, yeah, a, it's so my I, January. It's on my January every well, year. Well, I read it too. So yeah, I've, I've read that book. I've listened to it at least 10 times in audiobook format. I've read it a handful of times. It's a, it's one of my, it's the top three, top three book in life. I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a must read it. I, well, you know, everybody yeah. always puts so much pressure on January, but it's, it's, it's a, and it is totally cliche and it, I know how cliche it sounds, but you know, it's a perfect time to have a start again. It's a perfect yeah. time for a redo. It's a perfect time to totally. lean into something as well. Like, you know, so just, just lean into it, read it. And more oh, importantly than read it, implement, do something about it. Amazing book. And like what yeah. you touched on, that's, that's a big theme in that book, right? Is that's what essentially building habits and confidence is, is just continually, continually proving to yourself that you are the person that says you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Now, how did you, and, I, and I'm going to selfishly ask this question because sometimes I, I have a hard time talking my wife into letting, no, I'm not talking my wife into anything. It's just, I'm going golfing and it's going to take me about four hours. How did you manage to get, uh, get your family on board for going for an eight hour bike ride, my friend? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, I, I had the chat with my family before committing to this because without them being on board or supporting me, there's no way I could have could have done it. There's just absolutely no way. Uh, and even so, even though everybody you know bought in, my wife, especially my kids, they didn't really you know know what was going on. They're still young, but yeah, my I mean, there was still some not I wouldn't say tense moments, but there was still some kind of like damn Iron like when am I going to get my husband back? Well, <laughs> sorry, honey, <laughs> we we signed up for this, right? Um, but I but saw no, like they, one of the things that they were probably all, you, you mentioned they were bought in. Like I saw some of the pictures and videos and you did, and the kids were there, your wife was there, everybody was cheering you on and stuff like that. They were, they were alongside you the whole way. Yeah. 
I not, and I wanted, especially my kids, I wanted them to be there, right? A big part of, the, of this journey was a big part of my driving why for doing this, taking care of myself and trying to be the best version of myself because I, I quite frankly, was in, you know, a very bad version of myself for too long is just being that example for my kids and proving to them that you can do hard things and that you're the kind of person that sets goals and finishes them. Just setting, being that example, right? Because kids are very freaking smart. And they were watching, right? And that's kind of what set off this whole journey. I, I won't go into detail, but yeah. there was something that happened with my daughter that I didn't think she knew or was comprehending what was happening. But when she said to my wife, it was just kind of like, holy crap, she notices. Like she saw, she, she knows what's going on. So that was kind of like, I need to switch this, right? So being that example for them, it's, it's huge, right? So I very much involved them in the process, but not forcing them, but you know, they've taken their own interest into it too. Um, they're excited. Like they love coming, they love, you know, doing the high fives and saying hi to other runners on the course and seeing me come by. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been awesome having them part of it. Oh, that's crazy. Um, that just reminds me of uh, a podcast episode I just released, which I recorded it a year ago for my inner circle clients. And, and ironically, the person that delivered it was another Mike. And um, he shared with the group that he was, he was being known as miserable Mike. Like he was just miserable and everybody in the family was seeing it and all that kind of stuff. And he, then when he set his goals, he, he doesn't set a result goal. He sets an intention goal. He sets a, um, a process goal and he set the goal that he's going to become a runner, but it was a deeper meaning than just the running. His intention was that he wanted to be a really good dad. And by yep. doing a running and getting into health and shape, he would be an amazing dad that when his two children, maybe more coming in the next little while, are yep. trying to break him, you know, physically because with all the playing, he's going to keep yeah. up with them. And that's his intention and, is to be a good dad. That's the goal. And the yep. process of his running is to help him become a better dad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big one for me. Again, from Atomic Habits, right? That's what he, the big theme in that book in, is not, not so much result-based goals, but the process. Focus on the process and the results will take care of themselves. Right. Take it off, right? So um, that's nice. been, you know, and yeah, like he says, like, you know, the, the goal isn't to run a marathon. It's to become a runner. It's who you become and why you're doing it. I'm actually like, I'm kind of playing with a little bit of health coaching right now. And I've got a couple practice clients um, and that's, big mantra that I sort of try to portray to them. It's don't focus on what the goal is. You know, don't focus on the marathon or whatever. It's focus on who and why. Wow. Who are you trying to become? Why, why do you want this change? Um, because, you know, it, it'll inevitably get hard as everything always does. You know, when you start out on a journey, you set a big goal. It's easy to sit at the kitchen table and write, you know, I want to make a million dollars. Well, yeah, you're sitting at the comfort of your kitchen tables. It's a lot harder pick up the damn phone and make those sales calls yep. and do the cost and close those deals. Right. And then when it gets far, what most people do, they quit the whole three, you know, when we're getting the cliches, the three sheet from gold story. Yeah, this, listen to us. Uh, we're just, we're just cliche machines here. Right. Yeah. But, but here's the thing is it's true. Like it's, it's, it's a truism in many respects, right. Is, is these cliches are popular because they're true in many, they're, yeah. they're global truth. Um, now I just want to be respectful here, Mike. I, I do have, ex- I do have time, but we're kind of getting close to an hour, 50 minutes. Yeah, I just cool. want to be respectful of your time. Do you have a, a, you know, maybe another yeah, 20 no, minutes or so? Okay. I, I just, yeah, I hope you're great. I hope this is, oh, you and the audience. Cause. 
Well, here's the thing with a lot of this, with a lot of this, you know, it's funny when you, when you put out a podcast in many respects, you, you scratch your own itch in a lot of cases that I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to have this conversation with you about uh, your experience of doing this and your health experience and the transformation that you went through. Cause it was inspiring as hell to just watch from afar. And I had my own itch that I wanted to learn from this. So what a better way that I can actually get an hour and a half of your time and say, come on my podcast, Mike, let's talk about it. Oh man. Oh, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, it's great. We can go. So we, we get off air. We can go down the rabbit hole yeah. if you want. But it's a, well, it's an amazing up. process. If any of you are out there and you're ever interested in doing a podcast, by all means, it gives you a, it gives you a, a, an in to, yeah. to reach out to people, to learn from people. Like one of the reasons, one of the ways that I dove into the whole pivot I did within my real estate investing, I'm doing some yeah. infill developments, no, no different than what brother Mike is, uh, uh, brother Brian's doing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, I interviewed him. I interviewed him person. I found a guy in Calgary. I found like 17 right. other people and I just interviewed them. And I just found out kind of what everybody's doing. Everybody wants to talk on a podcast, right? And cool. they'll give you some time. And it's amazing what lessons you can learn if you pay attention while the conversation yeah. is going on. Lower. So with that, I maybe that's a perfect pivot into, you know, I'd be doing a disservice if we didn't chat a little bit of real estate. But so, so the question I'm going to ask you is for you, um, are you still active? Are you still an active agent in the, the uh, St. Albert Edmonton area? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm coming into my fourth year now, actually. Have uh, you, did you take a little bit of a, a pause and step back during the training or did you just keep, keep plowing forward? No. So. So here's, you know, on that topic, actually, um, just reminded me of another huge lesson I learned out of my journey, right, is um, scarcity versus abundance. I mean, I know you're a big believer of that, Russell. I remember from the rain days, you always talk about that, right, as having that abundant mindset. Um, there's always another deal, you know, like a, what do they used to say in rain? Um, deals are like a good, a well-run transit system. There's always another one coming. Yep. I, I used to love that saying. Um, but yeah. The, the crazy thing is like when I look at my numbers, I spent a ridiculous amount of time training just for this, just for this Ironman. I think I spent 300 plus hours on the bike, like no, that's just on the bike, <laughs> just on the bike. Yeah, totally. It was like over 500 hours or something crazy. Um, so, you know, if you're somebody who has a scarcity mentality, you might think, oh my God, all those hours I could have been sourcing deals, finding you know, prospecting, marketing, all that stuff, sales call, blah, blah, blah. But it's a whole, we're going to get cliche again. It's a whole sharpening the ax, right? Give me four hours or six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. By working on yourself, getting yourself into a position where you're mentally strong and physically strong. Like, I, like I feel unstoppable right now. I feel like I could just look and take over the world. I feel so good um, that now it's kind of like time to attack business, right? But back to what I'm saying is, um, I, I did just a little bit less business than I did the previous year while trading as much as I did. And I lost, I can count probably at least 10 deals that I lost because I just wasn't able because of trading. I had to say no. So that was another powerful thing I learned is for once in my life to say no, right? The power of no, how empowering that is, especially as a real estate agent, because they're getting pulled in all these directions, you know, Hey, I want to see this house. Hey, I want to do this. Hey, everybody wants what they wants you to do what they want you to do. But to stand back and say, no, no, I'm, I'm doing me so once. That was incredibly empowering. And yes, I lost deals over it, but I still made pretty damn good income last year. 
while taking care of myself and training as much as I oh, did. That's awesome. So, so are you re not rebranding? Are you recommitting into real estate hardcore or are you just kind of the way it's at? Like what is, how is, how is your realtor business? Where does that fit in for you now after yeah, going so, through this process for the last couple of years? Yeah. So like most people, um, you know, when you're investing, you, you, you need to make an income at the end of the day, you, you know, where your portfolio needs to get to, to live off the passive income and be full-time, you know, retired real estate investor. <laughs> if you run the numbers, like most people have, you need a lot of real estate, right? So how do you buy that real estate? You either come up with it yourself or you joint venture. Um, I personally like the ownership model of owning myself and not joint venturing so much. So I need to make money to fund buying my real estate and fund my investing, right? So being a real estate agent to me, it's a pretty good vehicle. And as far as earning an income, to earn a good, strong income. Um, but my business is very much run, uh, it's a marketing-based business. Because I do YouTube and a lot of SEO and things like that, I don't, I, I don't have to sit at my computer for four hours and cold call and dial and hope that somebody's going to want to buy a house for me. Yep. You know, I attract people to me. Nice. And, and we're, we're definitely going to, we're definitely going to unpack your, your, your marketing a little bit here and some of the YouTube and things like that. But I would be, uh, I'd be doing a, myself a disservice if I didn't get a chance to chat with you a little bit about, about what's happening. Like Mark, and, and this can be totally top line. We can go as deep as you want. And I know sure. I'd, I didn't prep you too much for this, but you're a guy, you're on top of your numbers. Your, your primary market is St. Albert, correct? But you're very well versed throughout the Edmonton and area. Yeah. What, what's going on in the market out there? Like from a top line, high level perspective, and then we can maybe drill down from there. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very interesting market right now because, um, we, you know, we have low inventory, um, sales aren't as strong, but they're still holding strong, but not nearly as strong as they were. Like they didn't dip that much from 2022, 2023, like June. So June, let's go back. June, 2022 was basically the peak of the you know COVID market. Wait. And that's when, you know, interest rates started doing what they were doing, which uh, took the wind out of a lot of people's sales. Um, but what we're seeing right now is a lot of shift to the lower, you know, more affordable type homes. People, you know, plumbers aren't buying $900,000 houses anymore because interest rates aren't <laughs> 0.8%. <laughs> so there's a major shift to that. Um, but yeah, demand is still strong. The population growth in Alberta right now is absolutely insane. Like absolutely insane, setting record, like record level type insanity. Um, what did I see the other day was the... The net interprovincial migration growth into Alberta set not only a provincial record for the highest net interprovincial migration growth for Alberta, but in all of Canada, we had just shy of 185,000 people move here in the last 12 months. 185,000. That's like, like just gang, give that some perspective, like find a, wherever you right? live in Canada. And I don't, I can't remember my population of say Saskatoon or something like that, but that's almost the population of Saskatoon getting up there again. I think Saskatoon's oh. a couple hundred, maybe 250, give or take. Yeah. But just imagine well, a town of 185,000 people in your area moving to one place in one year. Absolutely. And what are most of these people doing, right? Not everybody that's coming here is buying house. So the rental side of things. So that, that's where, like when I said earlier, with a really weird market is because um, yes, interest rates have put a little bit of a damper on buyer demand, but demand is still strong because it's made up from so many people moving here because on for every, you know, there's always two ends of the spectrum, right? The people think about the people in Toronto and Vancouver when interest rates go from 1.2, 1.5%, 5%. Now they were priced out of the market at one, 1.2%. Yeah. Now they're like 
So a lot of the conversations I'm having with people are people from Ontario, um, Ontario and BC who are saying, hey, look, like Alberta seemed like a cool idea, but now I don't have a choice because I literally cannot afford anything. Yeah. So that's why we're seeing the net interprovincial migration numbers that we're seeing. Yeah. And I would imagine, and you can probably tell me this more because you're on the ground and you interact with buyers and sellers and stuff like that. Um, I, I believe, and this is just my own speculation a little bit, that there's a little bit of um, shadow inventory. And I call shadow inventory as somebody who, say, bought in 2006, 2007, 2008 at a peak sure. of a market in Alberta. They hung, tried to hang on for 15 years. It really didn't do much. And yeah. finally, they're now at a point right now just going, you know what? The market has come back. I can probably get my money back. And they're pulling the pin and they're just selling inventory off. And, and from the investor side, not from mom yeah. and pop home buyer side. Do you see a little bit of that happening out there? Because I know that the difference in the dynamic is um, there is some house, there's still good supply of houses for sale and yeah. they're getting absorbed quite quickly. Like, it's not like a, a Vancouver or Toronto where there's demand, but there's nobody for nobody selling in yeah. Edmonton and area. There are people that are very happily selling people that have owned an apartment building for, you know, 20, 30 years that a lot of people are selling those things now. Totally. Yeah. Seeing it, especially with condos, uh, because the condo market lost uh, four people in the condo market because the condo market just basically got its blood kicked uh, for the last uh, 10, 12 years starting to see a little bit of life come back into it because you know interest rates forcing people down into more affordable options yeah. um but but yeah. here's the funny thing i keep telling people in edmonton people affordable is you can actually get a beautiful house you know, mm. affordable in the three four hundred you know you can get a beautiful brand new construction with a suite a house yeah. for under five hundred thousand bucks yeah absolutely and you know, out um, here, that's 1.3 million. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. So I'm in an interesting position with that because like that's a whole hometown bias, right? You have Emma Tony yeah. who cried that the markets, you know, uh, don't move here, Ontario, BC people, don't come here and you're ruining our market. And, you know, the market, it's overheated and prices are too much. Whereas you talk to these BC and Ontario people and they're just like, wait a minute, can I, can I buy three of these things? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you guys take credit card there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, well, it's not a credit. It's funny in the conversations I was having with people, it's, you know, we're, we're buying land positions, inner city Edmonton. And I, maybe I should not tell anybody this or <laughs> yeah. do this so I can buy more. And brother Brian probably will tell me to shush <laughs> on this too, is you know, we're buying land positions for under $300,000 and it yeah. includes a house. Yeah. And it's 7,500 square feet, a 50 by 150 lot that you can subdivide that sucker. And you can, when you're done, be have between six and eight units on it. Um, I'm all in on some of my sixplex, six unit construction, side by sides, two basement suites, two garage suites. We're all oh. into those things for one point, under 1.6 million. Nice. That's yeah. not even one house out here. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, I, I, I deal with, I deal with a good mix. I deal with the family, you know, whole buyers and sellers, but I also deal with a lot of investors as well uh, that are dealing with an investor right now from Ontario. And he's probably going to pull the trigger on like three or four lots because again, just hometown bias. He, he's looking at it, what it costs to build and acquire the land and to build back home to here. He's like, like I want to pick up like as many as I can. So yeah, the 600 plus square meter lots right now, especially the bylaw zoning changes coming in with like 
It's uh, secrets get no. Have have those um now every jurisdiction's a little bit different because I was just chatting with somebody in Fort Saskatchewan and they have different bylaws. Is St. Albert similar to Edmonton or are they a little bit more restrictive on what can yeah, and can't be done? Yeah, a lot more restrictive. Yeah, St. Albert hasn't quite uh, quite adopted. You know, it's like everything is pretty much all in. Like, yeah, with Edmonton, yeah. you you now can have house suite and garage suite on one lot. You potentially yeah. can have that. Is that possible in St. Albert as well? I it's, it's, It is sometimes, but it's very hard to do. You have I've to get seen. a variance on it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like in Edmonton. It's not the same. Oh, it's just, it's, it's almost a rubber stamp in Edmonton potentially yeah. do that. Now, whether that's right or wrong, and there's a lot of people, in my personal opinion, buy building the wrong places on the wrong lots and they're building little prison cells that I call them like tiny little small things with five townhomes all smushed together and there's no parking and there's you can't the inner unit there's like one there's like one window and it's just like like just because you can doesn't mean you should yeah, in respect no. but but I Edmonton is just phenomenal to work yeah. with for well, adding density in a meaningful way yeah, it's it's unreal. Like I, I, Edmonton is kind of the last last stand in Canada, basically, as far as like it's a decent place to live. Like it's not perfect, uh, but it's not bad. Like it's a pretty good city to live in, but it's extremely affordable. And there's an economy and there's jobs. Like so, here's a, here's another interesting thing about the market right now too, Ross. Is I never thought I would ever hear this just as a person, let alone as a real estate agent. But I'm now starting to get phone calls from Calgary saying, hey, Mike, what about Edmonton? Like, I'm priced out of Calgary. I'm thinking about moving to Edmonton. Yeah. Well, that same lot that I said we're getting under 300. And I should should be quiet. I should just shut my mouth and not tell everybody about this. But that same lot in Calgary is six to $700,000 now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And and the big difference is, you know, all things considered, build costs are similar between the two cities. Like, I think it's a little cheaper in Edmonton, but a little bit. Um, no, but, not by much. But not a lot. But build costs. Yeah. So the one big giant variable, the difference is, is between the land cost. And if yeah. you're paying, you know, between three and $500,000 more for the price of land, that thing that I told you we're buying for one point, building for 1.6 is yeah. 2.1 in Calgary. And it generates more rent. Don't get me wrong. It does generate more rent, but not that much more. Yeah, I was just going to say, right? Like the rents are a little bit different, but not by much, right? Not not so much that it totally skews the numbers where it doesn't make sense anymore, right? Yeah, I should uh, probably just cut. I'll, I'll cut out all that part of that podcast just so I can just share. <laughs> just so I can keep that for my own my own personal vault. Well, <laughs> don't worry, you've got assholes like me who have entire YouTube channels dedicated to talking about how great Edmonton is. Come here, move here, yeah. use me, call me as your realtor. Your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, I noticed the last video was posted uh, eight months ago. My friend, you were like a gold standard of YouTube channels that I was following. You do, you do an amazing job. You have videos that have 26,000, your most popular one. Let's, let's quickly do a search there. You have one of the 135,000 views. Oh, dad. Are you, are you coming back to become a YouTube star? What's going on? Yeah. So here's the weird thing with YouTube is like, I'm not a YouTuber. Like a lot of, I see it a lot, especially realtors and investors is like, it's like, what are you trying to be? Are you trying to be a YouTuber or are you trying to be an entrepreneur? They're two different things, right? Are you trying to go viral and get views and subscriptions and ad sales, or are you trying to generate leads for your business? Wow. Um, I learned that from Dana. Can I remember her name? Sonny Leonarduzzi. 
Billy Leonard Guzzi. There you go. Yeah. Yes. We both yeah, belong we to her, her training program. Yeah. yeah YouTube for bosses. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, um, so I don't care about views and subs. I care about how many people are phoning me, emailing me saying, Hey Mike, I saw your video. Hey, I want to do evidence. Hey, can you be my realtor? And that's the crazy thing about YouTube is those videos are evergreen. They live on. I have a video that's over three and a half, I think almost four years old, still generating leads. Yeah. Well, that 135,000 one is two years ago. You posted that. The five pros yeah. and cons of living in Alberta. Vlog yeah, tour. Geez, I think yeah. I know the title of my next YouTube video. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that video has done extremely well. So, um, yeah, it's done really, really well for me. So yeah, like, again, back to, you know, a lot of realtors, like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm mixed because I've, I've read the whole thing about YouTube that you need to be consistent and all that. But it's also, you know, it is quality over quantity as well. Um, and a lot of my videos, like the, the granddaddy of all metrics and YouTube is watch time, right? Click through rate and watch time. Are people clicking your videos and are they actually watching a large percentage of it? And I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. my video, but that's well, I know my, and I'm all means I still have a small channel, but I, I keep publishing it and I love putting these videos on it for me. It's part of my passion project to help inspire people and stuff like that. But my well, best performing videos have been ones where I've talked about Edmonton and Edmonton real estate investing. And that's where I invest. That's where I attract investment capital. That's what I do with that. And I've secured investment partners through, through my YouTube fun. channel. And they're by far my most known that if when I run a search on search on, on, on YouTube, and if I type in yeah. Edmonton real estate investing, I have four of the top 10 videos that pop up in the search. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I don't, I, it's strange that not enough in my personal opinion, maybe this would be another one of those secrets we shouldn't tell people, not mm -hmm. enough people do this, like not enough people own their market. Like if you go there into, um, like if you, and, and let me back up yeah. a sec, I don't even live in Edmonton right? yeah. and I have those, that channel. So somebody, a real estate investor in Edmonton should be eating my lunch. Like they Pick really should. From because that's my target words are real estate investment, not the the real estate market. But somebody who lives there could literally eat my lunch on a daily basis and just go neighborhood by neighborhood and just talk about different things. And I've watched some of your videos where you've done some tours, and it literally yeah. is just a nice Sony camera where you walk through a house and you just talk numbers on performers on a place. Totally. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that, that could be a whole other episode on its own is real estate marketing for real estate investors, because I think that group of people, for some reason, are still stuck in the Stone Age. They, they're still, you know, flyering and bandit signs. It's like the predominant marketing strategy for real estate investors. It's like, you know, there's so what, what are most real estate investors doing, right? If you're looking for money, um, you're trying to solve somebody's problem. Well, what is, you know, for every problem, there's a solution. And what do most people do when they have a problem? They go to Google and they go to YouTube. They look for a solution. So why you're not there? Yeah. Yeah. One of my best performing has been my Edmonton ones, but also one of the best performing ones has been my um, Calgary versus Edmonton video. Cause I, yeah. and, and one of the reasons why I did it was cause I had so many people asking me the question, if I yeah. was to go to Alberta, do I pick Calgary or Edmonton? Now, obviously my answer is a little bit biased, obviously, but at the same time, it's very factual based and that's where I'm putting our partner's capital to work based upon yeah. the numbers, really. Cool. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's a big part of it, right? I Like all the Ontario and BC investors that reach out to me, you know, that that's a big question too, was like Calgary Everton, Calgary Everton. Yep. And I just look, 
one, my property that I own is in the Edmonton area. Two, if I had a billion dollars in cash right now, I would be buying every apartment building I could in Edmonton, Alberta right now. Yeah, I... <laughs> right no and it's, it's, it's it, you're, we're seeing it too and it's 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 refreshing to see let's don't get me wrong i'm and that's one of the things i like to believe is i'm i tell people the truth i'm honest um yeah. there was a time for better part of a decade plus that edmonton was terrible it was a terrible yeah. place to invest their money it was yeah. a terrible place to buy properties because literally nothing was going on it was the it was the the flat market and yeah. no cash flow and stuff like that. And so you had to just deal with problems for a decade. Yeah. That's why I'm very mindful for people in Ontario and British Columbia, just to be mindful that if you had a decade of nothingness, if you had a decade of no appreciation, how excited are you about being a rental housing provider in one of those markets if you had no appreciation? Oh, yeah, that's a solid point because I have that conversation over and over again with BC and Ontario buyers. It's, it's more coaching than anything. It's like coaching them on what this market is like and what it's actually about. Because if you're expecting, you know, double digit year over year growth and appreciation, 200, you know, I, I've talked to people that have three, $400,000 in equity appreciation in a year and a half in those markets. It's like, do not expect that here. At least not right now. Anyways. Not, not at the moment. Like, I, yeah, I, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Get, I, I, I'm not going to say no when it happens and I'm not going to dance a jig yeah. and I'm not going to be over the moon. But I, I'm yeah. not basing decisions upon that at, at all, because in my Ugh. opinion, one of the biggest problems we had in Alberta was it went up too fast, too quick. It outstripped its fundamentals. Don't get me started yeah. on what happened politically, but we'll just pass the put on in the background. But yeah. uh, and we had a lost decade there for, yeah. you know, between Trudeau at the beginning and then Notley in the middle and then hopefully well, Trudeau at the end. Right. You're not. But I'm a big fan of what Danielle Smith is doing. Holy moly. She's, she's, she's a business leader and she's a firecracker and she's, you know, lover or hater. I think she's good for Alberta. I think she's good for Canada, to be honest, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now I do want to be mindful of time and I do 100% agree that we will book another one and we will go into maybe just, you know, new world marketing for real estate. It could be real yeah. estate agents, could be real estate investors. All things there we can talk YouTubes and podcasts and all that kind of stuff because I think you have a lot of deep knowledge and I believe you also have a film background too, weren't you? Didn't you go to school for for uh, video? Yeah, I went to very cool film school actually. So yeah, that's why. Like naturally, I mean, that's the thing. YouTube's not for because there it is of all the mediums, it's the hardest barrier of entry. I think the technology, the filming, the editing, the you know, uploading the tags, the keywords, everything. It's, it's definitely. Yeah. You, you think, you think uh, real estate can be a deep rabbit hole to get in, get oh, into man. video and audio oh. and even just learning how a bloody DSLR camera does and the triangle yeah. between the ISO and the shutter speed and, <laughs> and, and the yeah. aperture and all that kind of F stops and all that kind of whole, um, well, it's, 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 it's an endless um, and there's a term, you probably know the term, you know, the term called gas yeah. gear acquisition gear syndrome. Acquisition. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a true thing in that about you can't, you always have to have an next piece of equipment, right? Well, the camera I'm still on right now, I mean, for it out, look, I got another, <laughs> I can't just have one camera because I mean, this lands on this camera, that lands on that camera. It's like, yeah. We need two cameras. <laughs> well, I'm embarrassed to say I have three of the same ones, but oh, the one go. I'm using is is a lot older. It's a it's a Canon SL3. It was the first oh, entry literally. level that had pass through 
pass through nah. HDMI. And yeah. if but that never, just sounded Greek to everybody, that like I said, that's an entire other conversation. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Well, before we do sign off here, first and foremost, I wanted to just thank you, Mike. You know, this has been a wonderful conversation. I just wanted to just thank you for the incredible um, journey that you took the audience down. And I wanted to most importantly, just give you an acknowledgement of, you know, I maybe never posted once on your stuff and never posted anything on that, but I watched from afar. And every time I saw something, I was just going, holy shit, that's inspiring. I was, I was giving you a virtual high five every time I saw a picture, every time I was rooting for you, all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to just acknowledge how inspiring what you just went through, that journey you went through. Well, I appreciate that. It's, it's doable for anybody, right? Like, again, back to who, who and why. Like, who do you want to become? Why do you want it? Why is the most important thing? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want the change? Nice. You know, unfortunately, most people, they get to a point where it's, it's kind of forced. It's like, hey, you, should, you need, and that's where the best change comes from. It's like, you know, that rock bottom, if you want to call it, moment. Well, the one advice I would give about rock bottom that not a lot of people talk about rock bottom is a lot of people say, well, you hit rock bottom and obviously you bounce right back up. It's, it's, everything's great. Usually when you hit rock bottom, you get drug along the bottom for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but there eventually comes a time where you change the trajectory and you do start coming up from rock bottom oh, as well. And, and what's the old saying is sometimes rock bottom is the place, the foundation to build the next success cycle for yeah. you, right? Or while you're down there, yeah. While you're down to the bedrock, why don't you hammer some steel girders into the into the bedrock and build your and self back out? Take it up. From I mean, there, I'm like, lucky not a rock bottom. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think was- I think we've covered the most cliches and memes in in an hour and a little bit on a podcast of yeah. any <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> but before we do go, Mike, you know, once again, I I wanted to just thank you for bringing the fire, and you've been bringing it. And I do have one more final question I want to ask you here. And this is a question that I usually leave off at the end for a lot of my, my, my listeners. But before we get to there, um, where's the best place somebody can get a hold of you from? Do you have some contact information? Where's the best place somebody want to reach out? Sure. Yeah, I appreciate the plug. On the real estate side of things, I mean, yeah, I'm running a lot and biking and exploring a lot, but I am a very active, still busy real estate agent. Mike Banks Realtor is my Instagram handle. Um, I said, ironically, I actually post more running stuff than I do <laughs> real estate stuff. But. Well, it's funny. And I was looking through all your stuff. I go, oh, you probably have more, you have such a great head of hair. You probably have more <laughs> pictures with a backwards hat on than anything yeah. else on your, on yeah. your entire feed. And if you go check out Mike's feed, you will get the joke at literally nine yeah. out of 10 photos is Mike with a hat on backwards doing totally. something out there running in some way, shape or form. Totally. Now, well, that's another thing I discovered through this, right? Is, um, you know, at the end of the day, post, like guess a realtor posting, you know, Hey, just listed, just sold, blah, blah, blah. Nobody really cares about that that much, um, but just showing who you are, like being your authentic you. And that's a big part of social media. It's been lost because there's so much fakeness on social media. Just be you. Just show show your wins, show your losses. I love that stuff. Like you said yourself, you know, you're not commenting and you're liking, but I, I know that just because people aren't commenting and liking, that's not what I'm doing it for. But people are watching. People are noticing. And, you know, it's been it's been a cool been a cool journey for me too, but also for hearing from other people saying, Hey, well, you know, you inspired me to start running and started inspired me to start eating better. Yeah. And, and probably the most important people that are watching are the two little ones in the background too, that watch daddy every day out there oh. making a difference with other people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the final question I do want to leave you with is, um, it's, it's, I, I call it the, if somebody is stuck question, it's, that's what I affectionately call it. So if we were sitting here and we're having a coffee, you and I, and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit stuck, right? I'm just mm-hmm. not sure of a next step. I'm not sure of what to do next. I'm just kind of feeling a little anxious and a little bit, you know, a feeling that I just don't know the next step and I'm stuck. What advice would you give to me? Wow. That's- Interesting question. Um, actually, so I just finished his book. Uh, N- Naval Ravikant is that how you say his name? He's the he's a barely... Naval Ravikant wrote. Yeah, uh, that's L- a... love yourself. Oh man, <laughs> I-, I wish I would have dove into this guy's content sooner because he's not like you know he's not an Elon Musk type entrepreneur. You know, he doesn't have billion dollar net worth or anything like that, multi billion dollar worth. But his um his wisdom and his philosophy, his just outlook on life is amazing. Uh, and yeah, so just finishing that book, one of the really profound quotes from that book I took home was it's, uh, I'm probably going to butcher it now, but um, the hard thing is not doing what you want, but knowing, no, how would it go? Not doing what you want. Yeah, the, hard, the hardest thing isn't doing what you want to do. It's knowing what you want. So being stuck, like, I mean, just because you're stuck doesn't mean you, like, you need to just figure it out. Like, don't be anxious about it because it's okay. It's okay to not know what you want. Like life is complicated sometimes. I mean, that's where I felt even with my own journey is sometimes I felt like I was chasing other people's goals because they wanted it. I didn't really want it, right? So just spend the time. If you're stuck, just go for a walk, deeply meditate, reflect, and truly figure out what you want before you chase something because you could end up chasing the wrong thing. Wow. And you don't really actually want, you know, that proverbial <laughs> cliche the the man who chases two rabbits catches none because they're oh. so damn fast and you go other ways nice that's deep that's very profound is know what you want and and more importantly a deeper reason why a very similar to what the process you went for through with your running and you're entering yeah. into becoming a triathlete and you are 100 a triathlete now is you're you're you are now identify should. as that is that um you were sick and tired of what was, what was happening and you just decided to make that change and you organically went into it. So, wow. Well yeah, and that's the other thing. You're, like I said, it just reiterated, if you're stuck, like just don't worry. If it doesn't come to you automatically, don't try to force it. You know, it'll eventually, you'll figure it out. Um, clarity will be gained, will be, will be found. Um, but you do have to kind of consciously seek it out too. Yep. A lot of people don't spend the time to actually sit down and think on, you know, on, distracted just in a silent room like there's another saying that that's like one of the hardest things to do for a person is to sit in a silent room and just do nothing <laughs> because it scares the shit out of us like it's, having something to get with and to look at yeah it's and sometimes it's the silence between the notes that create the music right so it's not another right? as entrepreneurs and a type people we're always oh action 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 maybe you do me something you do me something now yep I don't know. I, I, I think stopping and reflecting and just figuring out what you truly want. But, but once you find that, what you truly want, commit, dive in both feet, yeah. you know, stuck, you know, pardon, pardon the pun. I'm going to use a pun. I'm going to use a, something in your world. Clip in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And away you go. So, All right, gang, with that being said, um, Mike, once again, thank you very much. You're a scholar amongst uh, the real estate community. And I just wanted to thank you. So gang, wherever you're watching this, by all means, share this out, reach out to Mike, reach out to his team. If you're interested in looking at something in Edmonton, Mike can definitely help you out along the path. And until the next one, 
Bye for now, everybody. So, how's it going, man? What did you think of that episode? Wasn't that wasn't that fire? Wasn't that um, inspirational? Now, the key thing I want you to take away from this is, um, you know, you just listened to a fairly um, inspiring tale and a fairly inspiring conversation of somebody who just literally re- was reborn in many respects. He burnt his old self down and rebuilt his new self. And I'll tell you, the results are there. The proof is in the pudding. If you get a chance to take a look at uh, Mike from where he was, and if his, phys- his physical appearance has, has noticeably changed over the past two years, and it's, it's extremely encouraging to find out how quickly change can happen um, if you focus on the process. Now, here's the key thing. If you were like me after this conversation, you are, and you heard, you just listened to it, you should be fired up. Here is the most important thing about this. Do something with what you just learned. And I'll give you a real life example. So after Mike and I had this wonderful conversation and we recorded this, we recorded it last week. I instantly, after our conversation went out, like I'm, I'm doing some pretty major changes on my health as well. I'm doing the 75 hard program. And Mike mentioned in his process of what he did was he kind of kicked things off by doing a cleanse, the wild rose cleanse. I believe it was, he mentioned it and I've done those in the past. But as soon as I was, I got off the phone and Mike and I were finished doing our recording, um, I went out to the local health food store and I picked myself up a cleanse. It wasn't a wild rose cleanse. I think this one's a a renew life or something like that. But anyways, um, the most important part, you listen to something, you got inspired by it, and then you most importantly did something with it. So that's the thing that I want to leave with you here. That, and if you are interested in taking your 2024 up to the next echelon, whether that be in health or wealth or your relationships or your finances or your body or any of those kind of things, if you're interested in taking that next step and making that serious commitment into yourself, invest in some to some coaching. I, I truly uh, believe that that is one of the fastest ways to um, take the next step. I, I don't believe in the, the word hack. I, I actually detest the word hack. And maybe that's just because I'm a golfer. Uh, but there are optimizations. There are um, enhancers. There are ways to shortcut the learning curve, shortcut the pain curve. And that's what good coaching can do for you. Um, this is the second week of January. Um, I have enrolled a couple people into my coaching program right now, and I do have a couple spots available. Usually every January, I open up some more time for some coaching clients. So if this is you, if you are interested in taking that next step, if you want to be some of produce some of the best of the best results in your life, I highly encourage you to check out coaching. So simplest way is check out my website, russellwestcott.com. Um, there'll be lots of links there, but on the link, uh, the most important link would be a free consultation. I have freed up some time in my calendar for some 45 minute consultations. I have um, lots of them at this time of the year. And um, if this is something that will fit for you, by all means, hit me up. Fill out that little form. Takes only about probably three to five minutes of some information so I can best prepare. And we'll dive headfirst into for 45 minutes into what is on your agenda and how I can help you. Okay, gang? 
With all that being said, always remember in every interaction you have with another person, leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.